Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Studios, the Ausbiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It's the 8th of February, 2023. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in markets, reporting season, uh, you know, all of that in between. I'm Nadine Blaney here with David Scott. Hey, Scotty, blink and you missed a pullback, hey? Yeah, they don't last long these days, do they? Uh, yeah, the, the, the hawkish scare from the RBA, well, wasn't that uh, quickly forgotten because uh, Jay Powell uh, mentioned the word disinflationary in a speech overnight and uh, whooshka, up we go. Yeah, but he did still say that if the data continues to come in strong, that it will need to continue to hike. So, yeah, we started the day by speaking with Kenny Polcari from Slatestone and he was saying, I didn't, I didn't hear a pivot. I didn't hear that. I don't know what the market is thinking, but yeah, trigger fingers, you got to say. I mean, that was a really strong performance that came through on Wall Street. So it's really no surprise that we saw our market finish up by, you know, close to four tenths of a percent, 7,530. Boy, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was shaking my head when I got on air today and, and was looking at that in the wake of the RBA. Yeah, it's... Uh all the threat posed by interest rates seems to be completely discounted now. You mentioned that uh, no, there was no pivot coming through. Uh, in Eurodollar futures between uh, June this year and June of 24 next year, there's like 130 basis points of cuts priced in. <laughs> so that's, uh, that seems to be the trigger that uh, every single bull is pointing to at the moment, that whenever things look a little bit dire, whenever we're talking about a terminal rate moving higher or no risk to inflation, look to the cuts and uh, pin the ears back. And that's what clearly is, uh, is underpinning a lot of these gains at the moment. Well, I had a really long conversation with Stephen Halmerick, who's chief economist at CBA this morning. It wasn't um, live on air. It was for something... A separate that I was hosting, but look, in the wake of RBA's uh, cash rate increase yesterday, they now are including another 50 basis points of tightening through April to May. But he is calling this highly, highly restrictive policy. And he reckons that it will have the desired effect. It will slow the economy down. Consumers will stop spending. You know, mortgage rates are going up, as we well know. And he now expects that the RBA will be forced to cut by the end of calendar 23. I mean, Again, blink and you miss it, and there's a, 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 a hiking cycle over, and we'll be at cuts apparently by the end of the year. It's, it's just head spinning. Yeah, it might go and help uh, juice multiples if we start to see interest rates cut and discount rates come down. But the reason they're getting cut, of course, would be likely that economic conditions are pretty lousy. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing as well that seems to be getting overlooked a lot at the moment. But yeah, it's, uh, it seems that the RBA has come back from summer and seen that I know how breadth of, uh, of inflationary pressures across the inflation basket are so strong. And uh, I've really had a second spec conversation across that board table because uh, it's caught a lot of people by surprise. Prashant Nuana from uh, TD Securities, who I'm a good mates with, uh, he's been uh, surprised by not only that term, but the other uh, commentary that continues to come out. It's very 
wish-washy, very difficult to go and get a grasp as to exactly what the bank is thinking. No real commentary coming through, of course. Uh, no governor's speech as well to go and kick off the new year. So it's, uh, it's becoming difficult, not only for forecasters, but clearly looking at what's going on with consumer confidence and the like, it's, uh, it's rattling confidence amongst the broader economy as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I guess the RBA could say that's what we want. We want people to sit up, take note. Uh, stop spending, but uh, but just to leave it on a positive note, you know, Stephen Hamark was saying that look, Australian corporates still seem pretty, you know, in pretty good shape, and uh, so you know, it's it's not all doom and gloom. We've got uh, high commodity prices uh, doing the right thing in terms of revenue for the government. He reckons that uh, Jim Chalmers did the right thing at the October budget, mini budget, whatever we were calling that. That was always confusing to me, uh, you know, by by not um, by not spending big, and he expects to see the same coming through in uh, this May budget. But look, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go to stocks because, of course, Scuddy, earnings season, kicking it up a notch today. Just left the office. I shouldn't say just, but, you know, was in the office. Vic Bansal, who is, of course, the CEO of Boral. Wonderful to see a CEO taking time out to come to the Ausbiz studios on results day, which we know is filled with interviews, shareholder briefings, media briefings, webinars, all that kind of stuff. Boral was the best performer, up 12 and a quarter percent. Uh, it was a stock of the day. Here's what our guests had to say. Hard to bet against the Stokes family. Um, you know, they were quite opportunistic going in there and acquiring, what have they got, about 70-odd percent of that business now, yeah. uh, installing a new CEO, uh, who, uh, albeit early, and I'm sure a lot of the work had been done previously, but certainly riding on the coattails of the, the work done. And I think the market in particular really liking that cost control message. Result, I guess, uh, the new CEO managing to uh, do... Uh, both ends of the scale, in effect, by raising prices, and we've got more prices to come, more price rises to come in the cement, asphalt, and quarrying products. Uh, clearly, they have pricing power and cost discipline as well. No interim dividend, I guess, Kerry Stokes doesn't need the money. He owns 73% of this one. So there you go. It is a solid hold from both of our guests, Henry Jennings and Andrew Whiteland. Um, look, it wasn't just uh, Boral CEO who we spoke with today. It was also Suncorp's CEO, Steve Johnston. That will be up online shortly if you'd like to have a listen, ausbiz.com.au. Uh, it was also one of the best performers, Scuddy, up by 3.8%. Really talking about focusing in on that insurance business as it, as it uh, you know completes the transaction to sell off its banking arm. Yeah, it's a, a day where unilaterally almost, amongst the big names at least, the, uh, the earnings weren't impressed. Uh, whether it's a sign of what we'll see next week, of course, when it really starts to go and jackknife higher uh, with, uh, with the reporting season is to be determined. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been a bit of a wishy-washy start, but today was a little bit firmer on the earnings front. Yeah, Centuria Capital, it was out yesterday. We spoke with John McBain, the CEO. He joined us in studio today as well. I spoke with um, Bellador Technology Investments CEO Paul Wilson on the small caps today. You can find that, again, via um, you know the small caps tab on our website. Interesting, you know, interest rates going up, really terrible for a lot of these tech uh, valuations at least. And, um, you know, one thing that you can say for silver lining is that it's cashed up. Uh, you know, it invests in these early stage technology companies, both listed and unlisted. And, you know, I guess uh, 
I guess he's got his uh, choice of pickings for these companies that are looking for for capital and um, yeah, looking cashed up and paying a dividend to shareholders as well. It just comes to mind because I was thinking of small caps. Um, in the show notes, we've got a lot of stock picks for you. I spoke with Mark Whitaker from Investors Mutual about three small caps that the bar has been set very, very low for, but he reckons will will surprise to the upside in reporting season. So you can find that via the show notes. Um, but Scotty, generally speaking, I mean, banks and and the materials space looking really strong today. Yeah, uh, it was the big end of town, really, more broadly. Uh, the, uh, the ASX 20 did a lot of the heavy lifting. The other uh, smaller names out there, uh, yeah, didn't struggle, but uh, yeah, underperformed today. So it seemed to be one of those days where it's a pivoting towards the blue chips. Uh, was that because there wasn't a lot of other news around? I'm not sure, but uh, certainly uh, maybe a bit of a tilt towards quality, maybe a bit of pre-positioning as well ahead of those uh, big earnings reports next week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we saw the Emerging Companies Index up by 1.5%. Still weakness, though, being expressed in China, at least as we record this podcast with the Hang Seng, the composite, all down, although uh, Japan's market just, just holding into positive territory. I don't know how long that's that's actually going to last. But again, just you know, talking about the, the broader picture, we had Joe Biden, the U.S. president, in his State of the Union address saying that they're not out of the economic woods just yet. I'm paraphrasing. But, yeah, certainly seems as if, at least according to, you know, major economists, that, it, you know, despite what Jerome Powell is saying, it doesn't look as if we're going to be able to avoid a, a U.S. recession. Yeah, no, Hope springs eternal among some quarters. Uh, I see a few of the investment banks are coming around to the other soft landing uh, as well, but a lot of tightening has gone through the system already. And uh, the w- looser financial conditions remain right now. It might go and give a, a re-acceleration in growth, but so that just means that we'll have to see policy rates likely going to stay higher for longer, which the markets don't want to see as well, and that will restrict and constrict activity. So, yeah, I can see why the, uh, the jury's still out, but uh, for me, you don't get a magnitude of, of tiny lot we're seeing come through the pipeline. And all that stimulus from the fiscal side of the equation as well start to go and get unwound uh, and not have some kind of downturn, whether it's going to be a mild recession or something worse, hopefully not. But yeah, downturn in some order seems probably the most likely scenario. Um, so we had a lot of um, a talk today about uh, you know the reforms that have been proposed for the financial planning industry, and uh, we did speak with the CEO of the FPA, so the Financial Planners Association, Sarah Bood, about that. There's a lot going on on that regulatory front in relation to financial advice. Um, I just use that, uh, you know, as a way to to get into sort of a bigger picture. You know, she's really, Michelle Levy, who made the recommendations, is really talking about simplification, you know, that uh, the quality advice review is all designed to get, uh, you know, things to a level where uh, simple financial advice can be provided by, you know, by banks, by superannuation funds, uh, all the rest of it. Look, I think we're going to continue to speak about that on the program because, you know, it's just so instrumental when it comes to, you know, our viewership and uh, what it will mean for those outside of our traditional viewership as well. But the the keeping it simple, stupid line reminded me of your view today, Scotty. What are you on about? Yeah, uh, of the weekend, of course, and, uh, on Friday we had uh, the uh, state premiers uh, go and meet in Canberra and try and come up with a solution to go and begin fixing Medicare and the other uh, medical system more broadly. And uh, a few things really struck out to me because 
I've got an ailment which is uh, a permanent condition. I'm a type 1 diabetic. I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast and uh, know me already know that information. But I, just from a personal experience, there's some really easy wins you could go and, uh, and, and get around a lot of the paperwork which is required and really holding back those medical professionals. Like I've got to go and get a referral for see a specialist for the condition that I'm not going to be able to go and lose anytime soon. I've got to go and get uh, periodic uh, scripts coming through to go and keep uh, the insulin that, uh, that keeps me alive and uh, no, readily supplied as well. I just find it ludicrous. You know, I've got to go and waste the GP's time. I've got to waste the taxpayer's time. I've got to waste my time, importantly, as well, going and doing that. Just use some common sense. There's people out there who've got ailments that, uh, that are permanently in place. Don't treat them like it's temporary. And uh, you'll find, remarkably, that a lot of those waiting rooms that are overflowing right now might be a little bit uh, less overflowing. Yeah, interesting. And using technology as well. I can always relate it back to a stock, can't I? And that came up in the conversation with Balador today as well. All right, Scotty, um, good view. If uh, you don't subscribe to our newsletter, you can do so via our website as well. Uh, look, we've got Fed speakers tonight. We have weekly mortgage application data in the U.S., which I think will be interesting as well. Well, Disney and Uber are issuing earnings. There's still a few quarterlies trickling in in the United States, but uh, I dare say a lot of the conversation tomorrow, am I a broken record or what, will be revolving around interest rate expectations going forward and what those Fed speakers have to say. Yeah, I think there's eight at bat overnight. Just absolute. Yeah, I, I feel like just going and blocking my ears. I know what the uh, the general message is going to be, but of course we'll go and react to it. And, uh, anything that's mentioned of disinflation or disinflationary, uh, we'll get people pretty excited at the moment. We'll probably hear that I know that rates have to be held high for longer and don't see any need to go and cut rates next year. But you know, once again, uh, that's not going to go move the dial when it comes to those rate cuts that are priced in. So onwards and upwards more likely than not. Yeah, we need to find some sort of a middle ground because you know when the next time we hear from our own central bank and that's, you know, assistant governors, governor, what, everything? Do you know when? 17th of February, I'll answer uh, that question uh, for you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's uh, next week in front of uh, parliamentarians, which I just find is ludicrous. Uh, the answer to the Australian people first and foremost and uh, Governor Lowe is just MIA. And uh, you know, I made it pretty clear about my views about the RBA leadership. This is just uh, absolutely building the case why we need a change at the top us some transparency coming through and a, just a general conversation with Australian people about what's going on. Why all of a sudden are we slightly like, massively more hawkish about the inflation outlook uh, after coming back from summer? Uh, explain it to us. Nothing. 17th, you'll have to wait for that unless something changes between now and then can't believe it. It's already Thursday tomorrow. You will be speaking with Tony Crescenzi from PIMCO, so no doubt talking Fed speak and what it will mean for markets and asset allocation going forward. Um, Greg Dean from Langdon Equity Partners as well. That's a good one. Scotty, can you talk a bit about small caps? I think that's what he does, doesn't he? Small cap international investor. Can you do that for me? I will go and prize him for some uh, some small caps in the Canadian space, no doubt. Yeah, all right, good. I'll use that in the small caps tomorrow. So looking forward to all of what's to come tomorrow. Peter Gardner from Plato Investment Management will be talking us through why, where, you know, he expects no doubt the income to come through through this reporting season. Michael Jenicky from Credit Suisse. It's going to be a good day. I can feel it already. Hope you have a good night, Scotty. We'll see you tomorrow. You too. We'll do it all again then. Bye. Bye.
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.